This message was recorded during a live service at Temple Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Thanks for joining us as we love God, share life, and serve Christ. I have decided that we will give attention to the seven letters that Jesus dictated to John, the apostle, and they're recorded in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. And we're going to give attention to one letter at a time. One of the reasons I've decided this is because I think it's good for us as a church to try to think not just individually, Not just to think, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want to use me in the church? How do you want to use me in your kingdom? What kind of changes do you want to make in my life? How do you want me to live for you? Those are really important questions. And the Bible has a lot to tell us when we ask those kinds of good questions. But I think there's also a place in Scripture where churches are looked at as a a corporate body, as, as a unity, not as individuals, but as a group identity before Jesus, before God. And I think that's one of the things happening in these two chapters of Revelation. Jesus looks at these seven church groups And he sees them as a whole, not just as individuals. And he has a message for them. And I think if we pay attention to what Jesus does in these letters, it will help us as a church because we are facing a really significant year of decision. We decided about two weeks ago that we would pursue, we would investigate, we would look into joining with another church here in our city. How does God want us to do that? In the end, what decision should we make toward that? That's not just an individual decision. It is a group decision, a corporate decision. And so I have been challenged personally to say, what does the Lord say to churches as a whole that might help us in this important place of decision that is just ahead for us? I don't really have an answer to that. I, I am not looking at this thinking, I'm going to get the folks in my church to agree with me about this. That is not how I'm looking at it. Instead, I'm saying, Lord, in your word, you spoke to these seven churches, and I think you might have a word for us as we watch and listen and think about what you said to them. That's where I'm at. And it really isn't a word to me. It's a word to us. Okay? That's, what I'm, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm here. That's why I'm on this road. Last week we looked at the message, the first letter to the Ephesian church. 
where Jesus said, you are doing good things, you are faithful, you are persevering, you know how to distinguish wrong teaching, you know how to stand against wrong teachers, you are doing lots of good things, however, when I look at you, I realize you have lost the priority of love. That was the letter last week, the letter to the Ephesians. You've lost your first love. Then he says, remember. Repent. Turn around and do what you did when you had hold of the priority of love. And then Jesus promises, if you do that, I won't take your church out. I will leave your candlestick as the picture of Jesus walking among the candlesticks representing the churches. I'll, I'll leave you in the work that I've called you to do. That was that letter from last week, the letter to the Ephesians. Today, I want to read the letter to the church at Smyrna. We don't think of the word Smyrna very often. We don't know of Paul's work there. We don't have any other contact with the city of Smyrna in the New Testament. Listen to Jesus' words to the church at Smyrna. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. As I, I read these letters to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, sometimes I feel kind of like I'm reading personal mail. You know, I almost feel like I'm trespassing. Jesus is writing to these churches and he is writing about really personal stuff. This, the kind of stuff that, that maybe we might write to a friend or a friend might write to us, but we probably wouldn't want everybody else reading it too because, you know, he's, he's talking about good things. That might be all right, but he's also talking about stuff that needs to be changed and, oh, I don't know. Would I really want people reading my mail like this? As I think about that, I really feel that way with this letter. Interesting 
Jesus addresses the church at Smyrna and he, he tells them, I see the pressure, the affliction, the persecution that you face. And I have a message for you in that pressure, in that persecution. And when I read it, I feel like, you know, I, I don't have a right to read this letter. I, I, don't, I don't face persecution. What right do I have to read what Jesus writes to this church who is facing such problems when my life is so cushy? I mean, it, it is so easy. I don't know that I have a right. I don't want to read this letter and say, well, you know, I can claim some of that for myself. I don't know that I can. I don't know that we as a church can. But Jesus gives it to us. So let's notice what he has to say. As Jesus talks in all of his letters, the first thing he does is he talks about who he is. He says something about himself, and I think that we need to stop and consider it. In this letter, he says, I am the first and the last who died and came to life again. What, what does Jesus mean he's the first and the last? Well, you know, if you know Greek, he's the Alpha and the Omega, uh, the beginning and the end. Uh, maybe we could also think of it like he's the Lord of creation and the Lord of history. He knows our beginnings as individuals and he knows our end of life on this earth. Jesus knows all about it. He doesn't want us to feel like that this life is, is going on and he's off busy doing something else. That's what he told the Ephesians also as we read that letter last week. He said, I'm the one who's walking among the churches. I'm the one who holds the messengers in my hand. I am here with you. I am not an absentee Lord. I am involved, and now he says, I'm involved from the very first moment until the very last moment. I am involved, the first and the last. Sometimes I think about bookends, you know, the, the shelf of books, the bookends hold it together. That when Jesus starts our lives, and when Jesus finishes our lives, he also is the one who holds our life together. That's who he is. That's who he is for the churches too. Jesus knows the beginning of Temple Baptist Church. He put it here. He organized it. He brought people. He saved people. He gave us his work to do. And he will use us and he will be involved until he says it's done. That's who he is. It's not about our decisions and whether we throw in the towel or whether we get tired or whether we think we're so small, it doesn't matter. It's about what Jesus has to say because he is the first and the last. He's the bookends 
that holds it together. And to this church, she says, I'm also the one who died and is alive again. It's interesting. The original idea there, the original word is the word, I'm the corpse who came alive. There should be no doubt that Jesus died. A lot of people, they, they, they try to say, well, you know, Jesus only looked dead. And, you know, it, it, just, it just, people misunderstood what really happened. That is not the case. Jesus on the cross died. He was a corpse when they took his body down from that cross and put it in a tomb. And then he came alive again. When Jesus says that he's, he died and is alive again, he's telling us, I hold the power of life and death. You in Smyrna are facing persecution. There are people there who may kill your body, but that is not the final answer to your life. I'm the one who has the final answer about life and death. Not the Roman emperor, not the governor in Smyrna, not the people who bring false accusations, I'm the one who has the power of life. It's so important in persecution, so important in persecution to remember that someone may kill my body, but that is no end to my life. Jesus is the one who holds my life in his hands. You know, it isn't just persecution. This morning's paper, I, I maybe, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a paper reader. Used to be I got my paper at my front door. Now I don't get it there anymore, just in the mailbox twice a week. But I still go online and look at the front page of the paper. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you gave up on that when a long time ago. I don't know. But anyway, the front page of the paper today there's a lady who is a mother, she's pregnant, she's pregnant with her third child, and she's angry and upset because people around her are not treating her carefully enough with the, with the virus and all of the proper kinds of precautions that we should be taking. Um, she, she and her family have been isolated for all these months and she's just fed up to hear with it. And she's so frustrated, so angry, so resentful at the people who don't care enough to do the kinds of things to protect her and her family. I get that. I have a daughter who has her third child going to be have a baby here pretty soon so I couldn't help but compare I'm sorry it isn't fair to compare I couldn't help myself my daughter's not mad at anybody is she being careful I think she is 
Although she does come to our house and she doesn't have a mask on, but does she go out to the parks and does she go do things with her family? Yeah, they were just in the Twin Cities this last weekend to take Elena to the Mayo Clinic for her annual eye checkup because she has some real eye issues. I don't, I don't, I don't think Katie's afraid for her pregnancy and the virus. And now I, I, I know, and I, please, don't, don't hear me say, look at Katie, she's so perfect, and look at this lady on the front page of the paper, she's so bad. That, that's not my point. If I knew the lady on the that was in the paper article, I might think the same of her as I do of Katie. I'm not. I'm not putting her in a box. But I'm saying that if you trust Jesus and you believe that your life is in his hands and he cares about your unborn baby and your family, that you really don't have to be mad at other people. You really don't. I don't know, maybe some of you are mad at other people. I, I can understand. I, I, our whole media is just pushing us to be mad at everybody who doesn't do exactly like we think they should do. I know that. I mean, oh, I read those editorials in the paper. Sometimes I only get halfway through and I just turn it off. I just can't handle it. There's so much anger. There's so much frustration. There's so much blame. There's so much criticism. But if, if we believe Jesus holds the power of life and death in His hands, then the virus is not the most important thing in our lives. And, and please don't hear me say that if, if you stayed away from church today and you're listening to this podcast, bad on you. That's not what I'm saying. It may be exactly what the Lord wanted you to do to not be in church today and listen to this podcast. I get that. And I'm not picking on the lady whose picture was on the front page of the paper. I'm just pointing out that in our place and time right now, if we really believe that Jesus has the power of life and death, it affects how we live. It affects how we treat other people, what we think about them, what we say about them. And that's the way it should be. Because He's the first and the last. He's the one who died and is alive again. And the power, the, my life is in His hands. Not in the hands of COVID or the hospital or some other place. It's in His hands. That's what Jesus is saying to this church who is persecuted. 
as Jesus talks to them, this church is, there, there are eight, seven, I said eight, seven letters. Two of the letters have nothing critical to say to the churches. And this is one of those two. The other one is the, church, the letter to the Philadelphia church. The Smyrna church, Jesus has nothing critical to say to them. Now, I don't think it's because they're perfect. I think it's probably because, you know, when you look at persecution, you realize everything else pales in comparison to that. Jesus says, I know your pressure. I know the pressure you're under. The persecution. That persecution means that you are are poor. You don't have much money. It probably is economic persecution as well as physical persecution. Smyrna is one of the places that emperor worship is so powerful. There's a letter that's, re, that's preserved that has a family that is appealing to one of the authorities in the Roman city to validate that they burned incense to Caesar so they could be considered patriotic. And these believers in Smyrna faced that kind of persecution. If you don't burn incense to Caesar, we hate your guts. You are not patriotic Roman citizens. You are our idol worshipers and and we have no time or place for you in our city we're going to get rid of you and that's what these christians faced and jesus knew that he knew their poverty he knew the pressure he knew the lies the slanders told about them we can identify with that sometimes i I sometimes get tired of the way people criticize Baptists and criticize Southern Baptists. I mean, you know, we, we're just, we're women haters and we're racially motivated and we're just so terrible. And I can, I can identify with, with those words of Jesus when he says, I know the slander that is out there about you. Jesus knows if you are facing pressure, Jesus knows it is, it is not slipping by him. Jesus says, even in your poverty, you're rich. And I know about the slander and I know it's not true and I, I know where it's coming from and I understand the pressure. I know the pressure you face. Jesus knows. He knows. Maybe you're facing pressure. You don't. You're struggling with what to do about some of this stuff. Or maybe it's nothing I've mentioned. That's all right. He knows. He knows. But he has a challenge for them. And his challenge is do not be afraid even of suffering. I, I, I know I'm a wimp. I know I'm a wimp. I don't know that I could survive in Smyrna. I... 
you know, part, part of the wimpness of me is this idea that, you know, if I was doing it right, I wouldn't have to suffer. You know, I must be doing something wrong if it isn't working. I got to fix it. Jesus didn't say, your suffering proves you got to fix it. He said, some of you are going to suffer and some of you are going to die. You know, it would have been easier if he'd said all of you. If everybody has to go through it, you, you have a sense of, well, you know, I guess we all have to go through this. So, we're, you know, misery loves company, I guess. Some. You know, they couldn't say, well, what about that Ephesian church? What about the church at Laodicea? They really bad group. How come they don't have to suffer? Why don't they have some of them die? He doesn't answer that question. He just says, I know the pressure you're under and I know that some of you are going to suffer and some of you are going to die. I know that is coming. What I want from you is this. Don't be afraid. Is that all? That's all. Don't be afraid. Doesn't mean we fail. Doesn't mean this church has lost it. Doesn't mean they need to do something different. Don't be afraid. I have life and death in my hand. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the bookends for life. You trust me. I will take care of it. Don't be afraid when you suffer. Don't be afraid. That's it. In fact, he says, the persecution that's coming will only be for 10 days. He doesn't say only. He says the persecution for 10 days. You know, I don't exactly know what he means by that. Probably what he means is, I have even that suffering in my hands too. I'm going to even control how long it lasts. You say, wait a minute, dear Jesus, why don't you just stop it? I don't know why he doesn't. I don't know. I don't know why someone here might get COVID and maybe have a terrible experience with I don't know. But it is in his hands. And he controls even the last bit of what happens. Death is no failure or defeat. Death is no failure or defeat. That's his message to Smyrna. What, what about for us? My time is gone and I apologize. I, I, I said things different than I expected to. What about for us? Well, one thing for us is that Jesus knows better than we do how we're doing. He says, you think you're poor. I got news for you. You're rich. 
They didn't feel rich. They felt suffering. They felt pressure. They felt death hounding them. And Jesus said, you know what, folks? You're rich. Jesus knows better than we do what's going on. We tend to measure by externals. We measure churches by by bodies and budgets and buildings. You know, the successful churches, new buildings and lots of people. And Jesus says, I see and I know better than you do what's going on. That ought to make all of us be kind of cautious about how we think things are going. One of the things I often remember is Jesus knows what's really going on and he doesn't owe it to me to tell me. He doesn't. I just owe it to him to be faithful. Jesus sees what we don't see. They thought they were poor and yet they were rich. They thought that the Jews were God's chosen people and Jesus said, no, that's a synagogue of Satan. They thought that The power was in the hands of the Romans and the government and everybody against them. And Jesus says, no, that power is mine. Jesus says, I see what you don't see. And he says it to us too. I don't know what kind of pressure you're under. Compared to the Smyrna church, ours is pretty pretty easy, I'm sure. But it's pressure, I know. And in your pressure, you remember Jesus is there. He's the one who has the bookends to your life. He sees, he's there. He sees better than you see what's really happening. And if you will just trust him, he will help you not be afraid and to rest in what he does for his people. That is a good message. Even for us. Let's pray. Lord thank you. For the chance we've had to read. This intimate letter. These intimate letters. We're headed for even more intimate letters. Thank you Lord for the picture of who Jesus is. Lord we need to see him in his glory in his power, in in the reality that he is Alpha and Omega, the one who died and is alive again. And Lord, that we can take into our day-by-day life his answers even to our pressure. If we will just be faithful, you really will take care of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to be notified of future messages from Temple Baptist Church, be sure to hit the subscribe button. If you would like to further connect with us, please visit tbcfargo.org. Until next time, we encourage you to join us where you are in loving God, sharing life, and serving Christ.